0: In this episode of Paid by the Word, Mike talks with late night TV comedy writer and author Joe Toplin. Here's a snippet from their conversation. We definitely favored words like uh, like Buick. (laughs) If if you you, you need a car car uh, name to use in a joke, Buick has the B and the K. The the stop consonants, by the way, are B, D, G, K, P, and T. That's the hard G. So. The thinking there is words that includes hard consonants tend to be a little bit more surprising and a little funnier than words that don't so yeah even down to, to word selection um you, you can you can punch up your jokes and make them a little bit more uh, more hard hitting just just by by this uh, replacing words that have different letters Well, hello there, and welcome to Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with professional writers and editors. If you are curious about what goes on in the minds of people who write and edit for a living, this podcast is for you.
1: Thank you, Zoe. Today, my guest is comedy writer and producer Joe Toplin, a four-time Emmy winner and all-around hilarious guy. Over his long career, Joe has been the co-head writer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and the head writer of The Late Show with David Letterman. Joe is the author of an excellent and useful book called Comedy Writing for Late Night TV, and I highly recommend it for writers of all genres. Joe, welcome to the podcast. It's a delight to have you here. Tell us about how you got started in the comedy business. Tell us your origin story. I
0: started at Harvard. I was uh, an engineering major, but I decided that I wanted to do something fun, too. So I competed to to join the Harvard Lampoon. And that was my first formal exposure to the world of comedy and and comedy writing. And I, of course, didn't pursue that immediately. I had to to find my way in in the most complicated way possible to, to, to comedy as a career. So I went to business school. And at one point, I heard of an opening on Late Night with David Letterman. They were going to need some writers and I knew somebody on the show from the Lampoon and he he kindly invited me to submit some material, which I did and Letterman liked it and I got a job on the show and and that was my my start in professional comedy
1: writing. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Joe... As I've mentioned before, I have found your book to be incredibly valuable. It's a genuinely useful guide for all kinds of writing. And I often find myself recommending your book to writers who aren't comedy writers per se. Is there something that, thank you. It it is, it's truly, I I really enjoyed the book and uh, I can't tell you how many people I've kind of like, you know, forced it on who then later came back and told me, wow, this is a great book. It's possibly one of the most useful writing books I've ever read. So is, is there something about comedy writing that is Universal. Um, I mean, what lessons can we learn from comedy writing that maybe we can't learn from other types of writing?
0: There's a uh, there's a section of the book that deals with editing jokes, and there's also a section of the book that uh, that deals with creating the joke itself. So, so I, depending on what kind of writing you're doing, I think I think there's a lot in both those chapters that, that can apply to to writing in general. The certainly the the editing techniques are most obviously applicable, and and they're not unique to joke writing most of them uh, but um, but at one point I wrote them out and I called them joke maximizers and uh, and here's the first six joke maximizers that uh, and we'll see which ones are generally applicable to writing the uh, number one is shorten as much as possible and I think that applies to to a lot of writing brevity is the soul of wit but it's also the soul of, of, of clear communication and it forces you to concentrate on what what the important ideas are that, that you need your audience to absorb so the shorter the better joke maximizer number two is end on the laugh trigger the laugh trigger triggers the part of the joke that that you expect to surprise the audience the most and and therefore trigger the laugh. And I think a principle like that applies to lots of writing. You want to maybe end your idea or your your headline or your sentence on on the most important part of the sentence, because that's which you want to stick in the audience's mind the most. Uh, number three is backload the topic. That means if you have a topic of a joke, put the part of the joke that you most want to have in the audience's mind when we get to the punchline. So put the most important part of the topic at the end of the topic, the word or two that you're going to need for the punchline. And that way the audience has it in their head when you get to the, the punchline and you want them to, to get the punchline. Number four is make everything clear. And that applies to lots of writing. Uh, if the joke's going to work, you, you want to make sure the audience audience understands the connections that you're trying to get them to make mentally to, uh, to produce a laugh. So the joke itself has to be clear. So uh, those are just some of the editing techniques I think are generally applicable to, to write jokes. There's there's a whole set of, of six punchline makers that I think uh, apply to lots of writing. I actually have a sample joke. Would you like me to, uh, to tell you a sample Absol- joke? And-
1: Absolutely. I was about to say, uh, can you give us an example?
0: Oh, boy, can I ever. <laughs> Go <laughs> for is, it. <laughs> this is a, a, a joke from Seth Meyers' show. He told this uh, about five days ago. So I'll tell you the joke and then I'll explain how it was written using one of my punchline makers. Here's the joke. The state of New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana on election day it's significant because it's been almost 30 years since new jersey added a new smell <laughs>
1: uh, Having no grown up in new jersey i get that <laughs> completely right just right spell secaucus uh, uh, right.
0: So, <laughs> so so i'm not saying that the the, the writer on seth meyer show opened my book and said oh i need a joke i'm gonna shut up. Mm. book to write it but but, but the technique is that he, he or she used is punchline maker number one, which is linked to associations of the topic. Uh, so in this case, the topic is the state of New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana on election day. Uh, so the first step, of, if you're writing a, a punchline, is to to pick out the two key elements of the topic, the two topic keywords, the, the, the two words that make the topic interesting. But in this case, they're New Jersey and marijuana. It's not election day. It's not the state of. It's uh, New Jersey and marijuana. So the second step in punchline maker number one is to free associate uh, associations on the, the two keywords. So, what do you think of when you think of New Jersey? Make a big mental list of those, <laughs> <laughs> and you see where you see where the joke is going. One of the things that your target audience might think about when they think about New Jersey is the smells that, that hit you in the nose when you drive down ninety-five past all the older refineries and you know, so the smells. Bruce Springsteen is one New York. Is one there are there are plenty of associations from New Jersey, but somewhere on the list is smells.
1: The second <laughs> <It's> topic keyword <here, laughs> smells. Chris Christie, The Sopranos. Yes. Oh yeah,
0: Chris Christie. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. So the second topic keyword was marijuana. You think of uh, the associations uh, of marijuana. What do you think? What do you think of marijuana? Uh, rolling paper, uh, the, the various slang terms for marijuana, joint, uh, Willie Nelson, and somewhere on that list is is the distinctive smell. So the the punchline is is. Created by linking an association of marijuana with an association of New Jersey. Uh, and in this case, the association is, is New Smell. And and that's uh, that's that punchline. The last step is to to write the angle, the middle part of the joke that, that connects the topic and the punchline. And in this case, the, the angle is it's significant because it's been almost thirty years since New Jersey added a new smell is the punchline. So the laugh trigger is new smell. So what are the writing techniques that are, are generally applicable from the punchline makers? it's It's free associating on key elements of what you're trying to say and making surprising connections. Uh, If you're trying to come up with a new angle for an essay, if you're trying to create a new product or uh, flesh out a a book idea or create a surprising headline or advertising slogan, you can use the idea of free associating off off the key elements of your
1: your main idea to to generate an entertaining, engaging, surprising idea. You must have internalized this so much that it doesn't seem exciting and wonderful to me. Uh, this is just, this is like a revelation. You know, oh, that's why I love coming to your, to your book. And for instance, you know, so um, I spent uh, 40 years in journalism. And one of the things they always told us was to preload everything. You know, you, you need to have everything into the, in the first three paragraphs. And the assumption was that the end of whatever you wrote was going to be cut. So you should spend no energy on the end. But the idea, you're a Joke maximizer you know, uh, rule number two: end on the laugh trigger. That's that's incredibly important. Um, and I get, can you g- g- give me a couple of other, give us a couple of other examples of jokes where that, you know, where that, or shorten as, much uh, as possible. Yeah, yeah,
0: either or both. Well, well, let me let me just take the the joke example that I just read and mm. and and move the laugh trigger off the end of the joke, and you can see mm. if it's still funny. Uh, the state of New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana on election day apparently new jersey added a new smell and that's why it's it's significant because it's been a lot a long time since they've done that it's not funny anymore because the the surprise is, is what gets the laugh, the, the surprising connection that the writer is making between marijuana and New Jersey. And unless you set up the audience to be surprised, they're, they're not going to be surprised. They're not going to laugh. So the, the middle part of the joke, uh, is, I think, an under, underestimated part of the joke in terms of its importance. It's, it's, uh, it's an important way that uh, the writer's directing the, the mind of the, the collective mind of the audience from the topic into the, uh, surprising last room, where they're going to be surprised by the boo of, of the, the surprising of the surprising connection. Yeah.
1: They, well, I just want to get back to this. Uh, one of the things you said earlier, the idea that so you have the two topic and then you kind of you, you use the word free associate, the term free association or you free associate. Uh, you know, that's that's risky. Um, So that means that you don't know what's going to happen either. You know, you just have, you start with two topics, you know that they're linked in some way, and now you're going to riff in your own mind. And so in a weird way, you're the first audience for the joke, not in a weird way. You are the first audience for the joke. The writer is the first audience. Does that sense of surprise delight you? (laughs)
0: Uh, That's a great question. Yes, it, it does. I, I have enough experience now where as I'm, I'm mentally clicking the tumblers of, of the, the associations of one keyword and the associations of the other keyword and trying to get them to link out. Well, when I see oh oh yeah, there's an association that'll be funny, and and sometimes I will I will kind of chuckle and I'll I'll quickly like write it down before it gets out of my head because I don't want to kick myself and say oh that was a good joke a second ago I wish I could remember it uh, and then I'll once I have the bare bones of the idea just just slop down on, on the computer then I'll take my put my editing hat on and, and I'll say all right what are my 12 joke maximizers what's the laughter I put at put that at the end of the the joke if I have to to rephrase the wording if i have to make something passive instead of active voice to do that i'll do that what words do do i absolutely not need in the joke and then i'll just i'll cut them out just because they just get in the way of of setting up the audience for the punchline so uh it's a it's a puzzle It's like solving a puzzle i read a headline or a a news story and i say there there are keywords in there that have lots of associations so i think i there's a combination of, of associations that will get a laugh i just have to find it and and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll kind of spend five or ten minutes, uh, five or ten minutes on it, and just say it's not coming. I'll come back to it, and then maybe I'll come back to it and, and say, "Oh yeah, how did I miss that one?" And, and there's my joke. So it's a uh, yeah. It's just it's just it's just fun trying to find trying to find the solution to the puzzle, which is uh, how do I get a laugh
1: out of this? Your first test is if it's cracking you up, then it must be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, if if it's cracking you up, then then definitely it's something you should pay attention to. Uh, <laughs> That's Really good. It is. <laughs> But, but often there is a point where you say, Is my audience going to accept that? Is my audience going to buy that New Jersey is smelly, for example, for the, for the sample joke? Are they going to know that? Are they going to have that association in their head? So that when they get to new smell at the end of the joke, they make the connection. Are they going to be insulted? If you're telling it to, I, I think that's a, a pretty generally acceptable joke. Even if you were telling it to an audience in New Jersey, <laughs> I think they would probably laugh at it because they love New Jersey and, and they would send. Of humor about the smells. And and, and let's face it, there are a lot of weird smells coming out of your juice.
1: Just repeat for our audience just the, um, you know, because I just think these are so the, the joke maximizers, so, you know, shorten as much as possible end on the laugh trigger. I, I just really really love that and then backload the topic. Can you just talk about that a little bit because that that also seems very important and somewhat counterintuitive.
0: Yes backload the topic is making sure that once you've decided on the, the, the two topic keywords or in some cases one topic keyword in the topic, you want to move that to the end of the topic sentence. Uh, as close to the end of the topic sentence as you can. Uh, and the reason is because those two topic keywords are, are going to be the building blocks of your punchline. So by the time the audience gets through the angle to the punchline, you want to make sure that two topic keywords are still in their, their head so that they will be able to make the surprising connection the punchline is trying to get them to make. And, and so that they'll laugh. So if, if I had one comment to make about the sample joke is, uh, it would be to, to move the keywords a little closer to the end of the topic. Right now, the way it is, is the state of New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana on Election Day. I would have worded that on Election Day. The state of New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana. So you're just sliding New Jersey and marijuana a little bit closer to the to the end of the sense, by moving on Election Day to to the the front of the topic.
1: Oh, that's really that's actually brilliant. Right. Because on Election Day, those are kind of that's a little bit of a downbeat. I, I can you know sense you just sense a little bit of a dip. So if you get yeah. open with that, then it's almost like a, uh, I'm sorry, getting all English major on you. It's like, then it's almost like iambic. You kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're starting off slow, but then you're rising if you do it right, way, which is, you know, on election day, the state of New Jersey. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Or it could uh- to, to make it flow a little more, na- more naturally it could
0: be uh, oh here's some election day news the state of New Jersey legalized rec- recreational marijuana yeah. and then you're just moving election day com- almost completely out of the topic sense because it's it it's a useful phrase to have because it establishes the credibility of the topic you're saying this is something that actually happened here's some news state of New Jersey legalized recreational marijuana and yeah. an important part for writing a joke is that the topic has to be believable you don't want the audience to Spending mental energy, uh, energy trying to decide. Is, is this person making it up? Is the writer making it up? No, it that actually happened. Here's news, and I'm going okay. to make you laugh.
1: Well, that's a really and you 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 stress that the idea of the timeliness and the fact that people are aware of the topic. Uh, but I just I just want to go to the the joke uh, sample, but the example that you used in the uh, you know for backload the topic, the uh, the story about the uh, Seattle. Do you want to you, know, you remember uh, that gag? Okay, it's on page one hundred one. Uh, oh, let me uh, let me finish. Yeah, just take a second. <laughs>
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, right, right. Um, Okay, the the joke is from uh, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon And here's the way it was originally written A company in Seattle just came out With a new bacon-flavored soda So if you love the taste of bacon And you love the taste of soda You're about to realize how much you love them separately (laughs) (laughs) It's a great joke
1: Yeah, and again, (laughs) for some reason Seattle just immediately Like, uh, I want to start laughing as soon as I hear Seattle (laughs) Right
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but Seattle is not the the most important information, the topic for the joke. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's why it, it, it starts the topic sense. So a company in Seattle just came out with. It. So here's how it would be uh, if you if you didn't have Seattle at the at the front of the topic, this is how it might sound. A new bacon flavored soda was just introduced by a company in Seattle. So if you love the taste of bacon and you love the taste of soda, you're about to realize how much you love them separately. It's not quite as funny because you end the topic on a company in Seattle, which is it allows the the audience's attention to wander away from bacon flavored soda just a little bit, so that bacon flavored soda is not quite at the at the front of their brain when they get to how much you love them separately. It's a different
1: that's uh, that's really nice. I also love, now this is, I'm, I'm skipping over. So so uh, here, just for our audience, joke maximizer number four is make everything clear. And that's certainly, you know, good advice for all writers. Uh, number five is don't telegraph the punchline. Um, so no foreshadowing, I guess. Um, but I right. can you just talk a little bit about the idea in joke maximizer number six, which is make the punchline parallel.
0: Make the punchline parallel is if you are writing a Punchline and you can make the punchline parallel the structure of a word or phrase earlier in the joke, uh, a word or phrase that's part of the topic or the angle, that seems to make the punchline a little bit more surprising because a lot of times people don't speak in, in parallel ways. And, and just so the fact that that you've done that in the joke, it, it adds to the surprise of a punchline and therefore the laugh. So here's a an example of making the punchline parallel. In an effort to compete with Amazon, Walmart is letting customers buy a product online and then pick it up in the store. The company says it's all a convenience of shopping online without any of the convenience of shopping online. So so in this case, the the writer repeated the structure of all the convenience of shopping online and then just replaced all with any, any of the convenience of shopping online to to get to the laugh trigger. Hmm. And uh, and just uh, to contrast, here's how you might word the joke if you took the parallelism out. Just so you can see, it's not quite as funny. In an effort to compete with Amazon, Walmart is letting customers buy a product online and then pick it up in the store. The company says it's all the convenience of shopping online without actually being convenient. It's just it, somehow they're taking out the nice parallel rhythm. It takes away a little of the surprise
1: of the punchline and makes it a little a little less fun. Your your commandment, <laughs> sorry, not commandment. I love how you recommend uh, using, uh, you know, uh, stop consonants, alliteration, and assonance and I never realized, um, you know, how much you relied on that on the on the Letterman show in the top ten list. Yeah, we we definitely favored words like uh, like Buick. <laughs> if, if, you, if,
0: you, if you need a car a car uh, name to use in a joke, Buick has the B and the K. The, the stop consonants, by the way, are B D G K P and T. That's the hard G. So the the thinking there is words that include... Hard consonants tend to be a little bit more surprising and a little funnier than words that don't. So, yeah, even down to, to word selection, um, you, you can you can punch up your jokes and make them a little bit more, uh, more hard-hitting yeah. just, just by by this, uh, replacing words that have different letters.
1: And then, of course, there's some car names that are almost like the, the New Jersey of car names. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, uh, I guess... Uh, uh, Too bad they don't make Studebakers anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. Be,
0: and every joke oh. I read, Wow. I just bought a Studebaker. <laughs> what a silly car name.
1: Studebaker. Buick. Buick. Studebaker. Right.
0: Buick. <laughs> Buick. Plus, plus, it's it's short too. Buick has uh, two stop consonants and two syllables, which is a very high stop consonant to
1: syllable ratio. Buick. Buick. A B and the right. K. It's almost. Is that technically? I'll have to ask my mom if that qualifies as a diphthong. Uh, I love the the uh, the rule of threes because uh, that's something that i you know i'll <laughs> do that um yeah it's a uh- that rule is when you have a punchline,
0: sometimes it helps to to make the the punchline a, a list of three items where your laugh trigger is the third item. And the reason it, that makes the joke a little bit funnier is it seems to in, increase the the surprise of, of the punchline and therefore sort of the funniest, uh, the, the funniness of the laugh trigger. You're, you're setting the, a pattern up with the first two elements of your, your list of three. And then the, the laugh trigger violates the pattern that the end so uh, here's an example of the rule of three in action the man who invented lsd is celebrating his 100th birthday tomorrow the man plans to spend his birthday surrounded by friends family and a nine foot tall unicorn <laughs> so that the three f- friends family and nine foot tall unicorn is the one that breaks the pattern uh, here's the, the joke with the fourth item tacked onto the end so you can see that it's a little less funny the man who invented LSD is celebrating his 100th birthday tomorrow the man plans to spend his birthday surrounded by friends family neighbors and a nine foot tall unicorn it's like you're, you're getting a little impatient by the time you get to the fourth item so uh, that impatience kind of cuts into the funniness by the way that was from Late Night with Conan O'Brien. I'm sorry I haven't been uh, a- attributing these jokes to-, to all the shows that came from. Um, brilliant writing on all these shows and, and-, and thank you to the shows for the-, for the examples.
1: You began your television career on the writing staff of Late Night with David Letterman and then you went on to become the co-head writer of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and the head writer of Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, and your writing credits also include, uh, you know, sketches for Living Color uh, and and the uh, and the detective show Monk. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And you've received over a dozen Emmy nominations. Um, I've been, that's quite a career. I've been
0: very fortunate to to get on fun shows and shows that stayed on the air. And uh, I, I've had a great time and I'm I'm pleased that I could at some point find the, the time and energy to write it all down to kind of share some of the stuff I've learned.
1: Let me just ask you um, quickly, what, what are your favorite kinds of jokes? Uh, my favorite kinds of jokes?
0: I I love a good topical joke. I love a, a, a solid monologue style joke based on current events. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's about, they're about the news of the day. So, and this was the the philosophy of of Jay Leno, who, who had a really long monologue, and he really enjoyed the monologue, and the way he viewed it was... People at the end of the day, they've maybe just seen the, the national news, and uh, there's all this, this horrible stuff going on in the world, and they tune into the Tonight Show, and we talk about the same news events, but we make them laugh about them, and so that when they go to they go to sleep, they, they feel a little bit better about themselves, a little bit better about the world. So I, I I guess another reason I like the topical jokes is they're talking about things that are on my mind. They're talking about what happened that day in the news, and and they they're more relatable. It's an easy way to get people to relate to a joke you just write the joke about something that they're thinking about anyway yeah. and stand-up comics will talk about oh you know they'll talk about their marriage they'll talk about airline food they'll, they'll still be talking about relatable things but maybe because those
1: relatable things aren't topical they tend to be kind of maybe a little overused uh, as, as topics
0: for jokes as opposed to the, the news of the day which is always fresh there's always something new happening in the world so there's always a, a new opportunities to, to write jokes that surprise
1: people Joe you have a website Joe Top dot com where people can learn more about joke writing.
0: So if you're interested just in in joke writing, if you want to see my jokes and uh, maybe learn how to do it yourself, obviously buy my book. But I also have a weekly blog post that I put out where I take one of the jokes that I've written that week and I I tell you in in two minutes uh, how I wrote it. So I'll describe the steps and you can say, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. And that's uh, that's what Joe Toplin was talking about in this book. Excellent.
1: And I, I just want to say again, if I haven't said it enough, if you are a writer, of any kind, I urge you to go out and buy a copy of Joe Toplin's book, Comedy Writing for Late Night TV: How to Write Monologue Jokes, Desk Pieces, Sketches, Parodies, Audience Pieces, Remotes, and Other Short Form Comedy. I guarantee you that if you are a writer, you will benefit from this book because it just covers all the important bases that are not only important, not only critical and crucial to comedy, but also to all kinds of writing. So. Uh, Joe, this has been terrific. I really, I always love, I always love our conversations. I hope you enjoyed this.
0: I, uh, I loved it. Thank you.
1: Okay, that was my conversation with four-time Emmy-winning comedy writer and producer Joe Toplin. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. <laughs> it was really fun. I love talking with Joe, and hopefully, we'll have him on the podcast again in future episodes. Until next time, take care and be well. That wraps up another episode of
0: Paid by the Word a podcast featuring conversations with writers, editors and media professionals. We are grateful for your attention and we wish you all the very best. Stay safe and be well. Bye bye.